0: United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.
2: Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery, and I'd love to share with you about these phases what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. I'm so, so glad to be here today with my guest, Amy, who's going to be sharing with us about her journey of healing and her move into theater and the arts and how creativity has really helped her heal from PTSD, sexual assault, and trauma. So I want to get right into introducing Amy to you all and get her on because she has so much experience and so much to share with us. I just want you to know, first of all, that she is a PTSD peer-to-peer specialist. She's an artist, author, writer for Huffington Post, speaker for TEDx and Rain, health advocate, survivor, award-winning actress, and playwright, And she tours around sharing the lessons that she's learned from trauma through her writing, mixed media art, performance, and inspirational speaking. She's the creator of Gutless and Grateful, her Broadway world-nominated one-woman autobiographical musical, which she's toured nationwide. She's also created programming that combines mental health advocacy, sexual assault awareness, and Broadway theater for college campuses and international conferences. She's studied as a playwright and performance artist in the National Musical Theater Institute at the world-renowned Eugene O'Neill Theater Center. She has an original full-length drama imprint that premiered at the New York City Producers Club in May 2016 that explored how trauma affects the family as well as the individual. Now, one of the latest projects Amy's been working on is her own beautiful detour. And she's created LoveMyDetour as a campaign to help others cope in the face of, well, unexpected events that take us in directions we weren't necessarily thinking our lives would head in. Detourism is also the subject of her TEDx talk and upcoming book, My Beautiful Detour, that will be coming out soon. You can learn more about her at amyoes.com. But without further ado, Amy, hello. How are you? Welcome. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so thrilled. You know, we've been chatting, I think it's been about a year now. (laughs) Oh my Since God, we Ellie. first connected, and going back and forth, and life, and detours have been happening, right? And uh, But we haven't given oh, yeah. up, and we've found our way here um, to have this conversation today. So I'd love for us to start off today by um, you just telling us, you know, a bit about yourself and your story and, and kind of where you're at these days. I, 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 where to start
3: Well, um, you know, you mentioned in my bio that I do a lot of musical theater, and that was how I grew up. You know, I I was born knowing that that's what I had to do, and so I studied that, you know, relentlessly, and when I was 15, you know, I found a wonderful voice teacher who um, really took me under his wing and... Um, I really, you know, connected with this voice teacher because not only did he know everything about Broadway, but you know, I have a very intense love of nature and spirituality and poetry and all of those things, and and you know, so did he, and so um, it really felt like a, you know, a mentor relationship. Um, and I knew him um, since I was 15. And you know, then when I turned 17, I mean, you know, looking back, and knowing what I know now, I could see all the signs of grooming. But you know, yeah, you know, once you know the abuse started, you know, for me, it was all of a sudden. And I, I grew up so sheltered and innocent. I honestly thought, you know, those things only happen. You know, on the news, but it could never happen to me. So I, I literally didn't know what was happening. Like no one had ever talked to me about anything like that before. So I went into the, you know, PTSD, uh, the freeze response and I just became, uh, very numb. Um, the first thing I remember is just, um, you know, feeling like, you know, imagining myself like a dot on the ceiling and, you know, the next day and every day after that, I just, I didn't feel like myself, but I could not really connect it to anything. I still could not connect it. Again, it's funny knowing what I know now, but I I just thought, wow, okay, something just Weird happened to me. I don't. I don't know what's going on, um, mm-hmm. and I I couldn't even connect it to us. But I just knew I was acting different, and it wasn't long after that that people around me, you know, first my family and then my school, started noticing that I was acting differently.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: to the point where I was building up this awful anxiety that that I could not get out of my system. And I remember, you know, really affecting my body, like having this intense pain in my chest and, you know, just hyperventilating in the middle of class and having to just get up in class and and just, you know, walk out. And um, I just was scared for my life mm. because I I didn't recognize me anymore and in the meantime. I still could not connect it with my voice teacher. So I was still going back for lessons. And he was telling me there was something wrong with me. And it must have been my family dynamics. And we all needed family therapy. And mm-hmm. so my family was, you know, at all ends, you know, tearing each other apart. You know, in the meantime, wondering, you know, why I had become a. An anxious fireball,
4: mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm.
3: and I I just remember feeling like I was headed for a train crash, and, and not even understanding why. And um, the when I first realized that you know, I was sexually abused, I was actually walking through Barnes and Noble. Um, actually, what happened was it was. I came back over the summer, um, yeah, after so much of my senior year of high school, and I could tell as soon as I got there on the first day, I thought to myself, I am not going to make it. Like, I I can't even sit in class without having a panic attack. So I wrote this two-page, like, dissertation to the headmaster saying, And I didn't even know what was going on, but I said, I need two months off from school to just heal and walk on the beach with my mom. And and I had no idea what I was writing, but I guess, you know, I was such a good student my, you know, all this time and everyone had noticed this dramatic change in me that the headmaster just said, okay, you know... uh, Amy knows what she needs, it's all right. And I remember my mom in the car was looking at me like, "Okay, Amy, what are, what is your master plan here?" Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, I said, "Mom, I want to go to Barnes and Nobles every day with you, and I want to color, and I want to walk on the beach." <laughs> and again, I had no idea what I was talking about, but like, I needed. I needed something. Mm-hmm. And and so so one of these days, and this moment is actually in my one-woman show, um, you know, I was just walking through Barnes and & Noble and I was looking in the, you know, healing and spirituality section just for some kind of self-help kind of thing. And um, I happened to see this, you know, big yellow book and it was, the courage to heal, which you know is a huge you know hallmark new book um in you know that everyone should take a look at, and I knew nothing about it, but you know the, the title was very intriguing to me, and it's still so funny that I remember pulling it out, and the caption was for survivors of sexual abuse, and, you know, now I talk about that so frequently, but back then, you know, that was, again, something Mm -hmm. I only heard on the late night news, so I literally laughed, and I put it back, like, yeah, right, that's like learning about, um, you know, civil war victims or something, like, it has nothing to do with me, Um, but, but, so I put it back. But then, you know, something intuitively rang out to me like I don't know. So there's so I you know, something made me go back for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everything else that happened is like um, you know, meant to be after that because I just opened it and I happened to open to that checklist of um symptoms towards the beginning where, you know, you can check off on, you know, I feel numb. I don't feel like myself anymore. I don't trust myself Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's something wrong with me. And, you know, it was so funny, you know, as I was going down the list, like, that's when I had my revelation that, like, oh, oh, my God, this is me. Mm -hmm. So then I just remember, like, shutting that book and now, you know, I had this big secret that I had no idea what to do with. I mean, what do you would you do with something like that? You mean know, yeah. In Fairfield, Connecticut and no one's talking but, you know, this was two thousand and four, two thousand and five and you know, people were there was no Me Too, there yeah. was nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so and so I just I d I didn't know what to do. In the meantime I was still going back for lessons, having no idea what I was doing. Um, so confused, like, you know, maybe maybe I'm over exaggerating, you know, and I still mm-hmm. didn't didn't know who to tell. And um, and I've written several plays on this and I have a few where I did try to, you know, I have three wonderful brothers and a very supportive family. And there were times where I did try to hint or tell some of them. And, you know, it was so out of our, you know, range just thought that nothing was getting through. And then um, I finally did tell my mom on one of our walks by the um, beach, and that's a very special moment that's um, Actually, in another one of the, the scenes in my plays, you can tell I see a lot through my playwriting and mm-hmm. performance. But yeah. but anyway, but anyway, that was on April um right around my birthday, April tenth, two thousand five. And now it's like, okay, <laughs> now we know. Now like no one talks about this. What do we do about all this? And so we were going to, you know, go for therapy or like what else would you do when, you know, trying to think what to do. And that was April 10th, and then you know April 25th, um, we had our big Passover Seder, and my mom and I were treating that. You know, my mom and I were the only people that knew now, and we're, you know Passover was always like our favorite holiday because we loved, we really loved entertaining, and. And we said, okay, this is going to be our great comeback um, dinner and celebration. And, you know, because over the story is all about redemption and, and, right. and freedom and liberation. And, and I, that night, you know, um, I just had a very bad stomachache that, that didn't go away. And that's when everything happened. Very, very quickly, you know, my stomach got very distended, and my dad, who's a doctor, um, just took me uh, for an X-ray to a local hospital just to see what was going on. Uh, A few hours later, I was um, in a coma, and I guess the surgeons cut me open, and there was so much internal pressure that on my stomach, you know, actually exploded to the ceiling of the operating room. Um, a total gas strike for me and um I um well long, long long story short <laughs> I was be here all day. Um it turned into um God now, twenty surgeries and um you know, uh basically, you know, I have no stomach so when I finally woke up from a coma months later, they told me that, like, they didn't know if I'd ever be able to eat or drink again.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, And so, and they didn't know, again, everything was uncertain. I didn't know the seven years without even an ice cube or anything. And what took so long wasn't just, you know, waiting for all my insides to heal. Because, you know, I'd gone... Tepsis. Apparently, it was a big blood clot that was just laying on, on an artery that had built up from keeping all that in, which is one, you know, hypothesis. Um, but then we need to find a surgeon with, you know, the creativity to figure out, you know, this had yeah. never happened before. So it's not like a set, like, oh, okay, uh broken leg, you do this, this, and that. You know, we had to find a surgeon that could get out his arts and crafts and figure out how to make me a digestive system from nothing. And we found one seven years later who, um, in a 19-hour surgery, that was the first part, um, and he took whatever intestine that I had left, and he made me, like, a little um, pouch. So I guess the closest thing you could call it is a you know, it would be almost like a gastric bypass kind of thing. But it wasn't a perfect science, it still isn't. You know, there's still problems with it. Um and and you know, the point is, you know, all throughout um you know that time that I couldn't eat or drink anything, you know, I also had to stay very numb because, you know, how do you get your mind off like a primal me and I was starving and I was I couldn't even have nice an cubes and so I learned once again I relearned that habit just like I had learned on um, during the abuse to be very very numb mm-hmm. so I got very very good at it so really the healing you know the physical healing from the surgeries that was I say relatively because it wasn't that was the easy part mm-hmm. but you know and. It was easy because I had a whole team of doctors who at least, like, knew what was at hand and all that stuff. But once I could eat and, you know, food brought up healing and, you know, suddenly I had to think about these things that I hadn't thought about since my coma. And that was that was the emotional healing that was harder to talk about. And for other people, you know, to to deal with, and for me, to know what to do with. So really, it was a very long road ahead of me. And to to kind of cap it off, basically, I found my creativity through I mean, my healing through creativity. I found that it was the best container. Um, for all the anxiety, the anger, anything I could just channel into Because you can always go into negative coping mechanisms and believe me I did I did, you know, plenty. You know, I had you know, my main thing was um yeah, I had like a mantra to myself actually that I wrote a song about that <laughs> in another one of my shows that, you know, keep moving so your heart stands still. Like I was just uh chronic like I would just like pace around for for hours just to you know feel something like mechanical so I didn't have to think and I didn't have to feel you know I couldn't even you know sit still and that was like my thing that was how I kind of dissociated from the world on from the world like I call myself the the queen of dissociation because I got very good at it (laughs) just not feeling anything at all when You know, as an artist, you know, you want to feel. And so that was why, um, you know, going back to singing, reclaiming my voice, you know, telling myself, like, my voice teacher didn't give that to me. I had that all along. Um, You know, um, eventually, you know, I was rehospitalized for many setbacks. But the blessing in that was... I discovered art, you know, first by just taking like toilet paper from the Yale hospital bathroom and collaging with it. And by the time I was discharged, I had like 70 mixed media paintings, um, you know, dance, you know, any, anything I could find where I cuz the truth is, and what I try to, you know, work with survivors on now is, yeah, you're supposed to talk about it, but then you hear these statistics that, you know, I don't even know how much it is this year, but hopefully not as much now that everyone's talking about it. But um, you know, one in nine or you know cases you know only get reported, and mm-hmm. it's because people don't understand that words being able to verbalize these things is usually the hardest part, and usually it takes a lot of other mediums over time. To get those words out. And for me, the art was a very innocuous way to just start expressing something beyond the numbness. Because it's mm-hmm. just that sometime, yeah, sometimes the words don't come because you don't even know what's going on. But yeah. through this art, which I had all this time in the hospital to do, you know, it started just as colors and strokes. But those colors and strokes turned into shapes and then things I only I could recognize and I was able to literally connect abstract dots and make connections in my mind but not you know like I had to like journal the actual words which can be very difficult but you know eventually that's how I was finally able to you know, cognitively, you know, realize it, and then eventually speak about it. And the speaking about it actually didn't take me. I mean, it took me, you know, ten years. You know, this this is a long process that you have to be patient with yourself. But but the point is that it did happen with patience and and you know, self love and and support where you can. Um, and, you know, at first, I really did feel like I needed a confrontation, like I needed mm. to see him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, my family my family tells me that the first words I said coming out of my coma was it was him. And then I like f- brought my family in my ICU for intervention thing that I wanted him back here so I could like talk to him and you know for years I wanted to see him one more time I didn't know why um I didn't know if I missed him or hated him you know because it is would woken up i would woken up in a new world completely um but it's it's funny that eventually once I did put together my own one woman show but was am grateful and once I started you know doing things for me and remembering what I loved, you know, I didn't care about him and the truth mm-hmm. is I you know, he's unfortunately, you know, he's he's still alive, he's still he's still teaching, believe it or not. <laughs> but um you know, there's nothing I can do but but live my life and, and tell my story and and help, you know, other survivors and 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 also just as importantly, bystanders understand what the freeze response is because, you know, it can really look like everything's fine or someone's just out of it for no reason or mm-hmm. maybe even maybe even like healthy consent that they're not fighting back and that's what I I was doing which I really felt a lot of guilt for but whenever I you know go to colleges and things like that I think or anywhere I think I don't care who you are whether you're a survivor an ally or you're some random person on the street I think everyone needs to at least understand what the various reactions to trauma are because we all experience some range of trauma in our lives. And and we all have reactions that we don't understand. And, And what I found is that, and why the arts are so great, is that we heal through community and we heal through empathy and understanding. And the arts are like this universal container that it doesn't matter what words we're saying or what our individual stories are, but through theater, through art, through music, through dance, through cooking, you know, through these creative acts that people around the world can enjoy, they're also beautiful means of expression that we can express joy, pain, and suffering. And somehow, you know, it creates this universal language that that we understand you know, and we feel welcome so anyway that that is that honestly that, that's how i that's how I found my healing through through that that is, that was my secret not a not a big uh secret, but i i think it's important so mm-hmm. so, Amy, there. Thank
2: you so, much. <laughs> so there so <laughs> there, I love that. that so there you go, yes, lady. Thank you so much for Mm -hmm. just sharing your story and so many of the layers and, you know, there's just so much going on there that, you know, we can highlight. I think the the main thing that kind of came up for me as you were sharing your story is that I think for a lot of survivors of abuse, we um, experience trauma in the context of something that we enjoy. Um, we were just living our lives, right, and, and then mm-hmm. this person, whoever the abuser might be, interrupts that process, and one of the things that I find really inspiring about your story is that, you know, it would have, it would have been very, very easy to say, well, I'm never going to sing again, or I'm never going to act, you know, I'm putting all of that away because it was tied up with this, you know, experience of trauma, and I love how instead you have taken all of that and used it, you know, as your weapon <laughs> for spreading awareness and your own healing. I think well, that's super what? powerful. you know
3: that would be mm-hmm. letting him win, you know? Mm-hmm. He, and, and I got to tell you, that took a very long time to learn that you know, it may seem obvious, but, you know, realizing he's not the one that gave it to me because when he... You know, started the abuse. I thought I thought my whole world
4: was yeah. taken away,
3: and I literally felt drained until again. And I wrote a musical about this to help me through this. But I realized, wow, I had all that stuff all along, and and he just recognized that me. Which is great. But the good part is, I didn't need him for it. You know, and mm-hmm. this is who I am. But I think the important part for any survivor is is to remember who they were before this, and nothing can take that away. And what I like to say is, you know, um, my second TED talk was about, you know, the archetypal hero's journey, and the beauty of that is, you know, if this person and something happens to him, and he's taken to The underworld, you know, it's a universal theme you'll find from Star Wars to Finding Nemo, you know, and in this underworld or this special world, they have to fight all these demons and all these kind of things, Um, but then they finally, you know, find their treasure, and then they have to come back to society, Um, But and they come back with these gifts they've learned from fighting in the underworld, and But what they realize is, you know, everyone after trauma, you know, when they recover, they just want life to go back to just how it was before. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest lesson we all have to learn is, you know, our world will, will never be the same. But, you know, it can be, you know, I think of it as a mosaic, like, um, you know, it's a piece of glass that was once whole. That's shattered but a mosaic you know you put it together um you know differently but you know a mosaic's even more beautiful it's it's Mm -hmm. art and and that's kind of the hero's journey um storyline that that we come back to not our original home but a new home that we've kind of brightened with the trials and tribulations of what we've been through. And that's what we have to remember, that we, as survivors, we do have a special gift, even though, you know, it was very hard and very traumatizing, you know. Yeah. We can use that to better ourselves and and better our world. And But we just listen. You know, the hard part is that we have to accept that, things aren't going to be like they used to be, but that doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing.
2: Beautifully said. Cheers to that. Yes, folks. Are you hearing this lady? I hope you're listening. (laughs) She's speaking some truth Mm -hmm. for you today. (laughs) Yes.
4: (laughs) Beautiful.
2: Oh, my goodness. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about how people can get in touch with you and some of the projects that you're working on right now. What do you want people to know about that? Hey, what first? Um, here's my flaw I did too much.
3: Um, <laughs> but, um, but hey, Expressions How I Healed. Um, so, um, first, um, again, I finally went back to theater and song and, and all of that. So now I've been writing. Plays like crazy. Um, I'm developing a few right now, but um, what I've been touring since 2012, which you mentioned, is um, "Gutless and Grateful," which is the story of you know me. Um, <laughs> basically, um, you know, loving theater and all the medical stuff happening to me, and mm-hmm. and, and the, the abuse as well. And you know, I tour that. Everywhere to, you know, high schools and colleges, conferences, organizations and theaters. And and what I like to do after, you know, it's a 70-minute musical. And then I do a talk back after about whatever the very theme is of the audience that, you know, I'm working with. And I'll either do a and a Q&A or a creativity workshop or, um, you know, I... Especially for, you know, survivors and, you know, things like that. I I love talking about, you know, the free response and ways we can, you know, fight back against that. Um, I'm actually doing something um, in the fall at Wesleyan College, um, which I'm excited about because they have a wonderful um, sexual assault initiative going on right now. I've done it Take Back the Nice, things like that. Um, so I'm still doing that. I've been doing that since 2012. But I'm also working on um, a three-act play called um, Flicker and a Firestarter, which is finally getting um, workshopped by a wonderful theater company in New York where um, I'm actually played by two characters, um, which is kind of the Uh, pre-coma Amy and post-coma Amy. And it's all about how, you know, trauma kind of separates you and the two girls have to find healing together by, you know, accepting what each other has been through and and fighting back against their abuser, Um, using a lot of metaphors of sound and light. And um, that's going really well. I'm very excited about that. And then um, the last thing um, that I'll mention is a musical that I'm working on with um, 14 of my original songs called Passageways. And that's um, really the most specifically about um, how I felt um, during the abuse and how I feel using art. And what I'm really excited about is it's actually – I mean, I use a lot of, like, live painting um, on stage because, um, and I think this has been on my playwriting bucket list forever, um, because I'm actually going to show um, how I was just, I couldn't speak about it and mm-hmm. everything, the, those secrets made me do, the good, the bad, the ugly, and then how art was such a release and i got to tell you, writing, writing that has been so much fun because it really was such a wonderful way to heal. So
4: I'm
3: mm, um, so excited. And, you know, I have a free TED Talks out now, and then my book um, should be coming out very soon, but it is going to be um, available for pre-order on my website, um, My Beautiful Detour. Um, so, um, And you can learn all about my uh, detour movement, uh, hashtag, love my detour. I have a whole little thing um, about how it doesn't matter what we've been through, any detour in life. um, But like I said, we heal through um, community and through that shared idea that we have things in life we don't expect. So you can also learn about how to be a detourist on uh, my website, which is a m y oes.com and check it out. It has all my art, my TED talks, my performances, and and I always love hearing from you guys. So um,
2: yeah, awesome. So there's uh no shortage of ways to get connected with Amy and to um, hear what she has to say and to learn uh, from her. So do please go check that out. Um, look out for her TED Talks. I'll put some links here in the show notes. And I'm also yeah, going to... Um,
3: my uh, I'll give you my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, stuff, too.
2: Yeah, all um, that will be there. I want all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So get connected with Amy. Um, And uh, take inspiration, you know, from her story today to imagine, you know, the detours that you've taken in your life and how those might be, you know, uh, serving you in some way or how you can use them um, to make your life whatever it is that you would like it to be. And um, listen in. I'm going to play a clip here um, at the end of the show of one of Amy's songs from her new musical, How Dare You?, so stay tuned. Um, Amy, I just want to say thank you for, for being with us today and really appreciate thank you sharing you, your story Rachel. and your perspective. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, don't forget to visit RachelGrantCoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and check out the resources there. Please be sure to subscribe and Rachel, to the podcast. Oh, yep. Yeah? Rachel,
3: thank you for everything you do, you know, on your website and everything. (laughs) I think that goes for all of us. Mm, Mm -hmm.
2: Thank you for that, Amy. I appreciate it. And uh, tune back in next time, folks, because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. See you next time. Bye.
4: With pride, as I resent myself inside and burn with shame, I smile and praise your name. You tear with your facade to be this upright noble god, when only I can see the shape of a slimy lying snake. You dare to put me on parade. I've horrid myself to make you say I can't live with myself, I have nobody else. And I'm the only one who knows. A along poor girl, she's very weak. She's quite bright, but she can't speak. They say poor child, what's wrong with her. I have no way. You teach song to her? Do they know? I've no choice. The voice teachers to my voice. I hold his pain like no one can. He cries just like a little man. He's made a joke of music, made a mockery of art. My mental right, like you believe, he wears his demons on his sleeve. I've opened up his heart hair and he's tearing mine apart. And I'm the only one choked by the loopholes in your stomach. up by the sun I'm the one who hangs down in the shadows of your glory I'm alone and I'm the only one stifled silenced mad alone bitter that you've My home Knowing I'm the dump That keeps your lies Preserved in fear To the world You show no trace Of your wretched Shameful face Only I Will only cry for worlds That disappear And I'm the only one Choked by the bubbly stuff and said this I big nothing said I stand in her knees on dirt of their abuse could have stabbed you with flames could have shattered your name could have taken control could have screamed her my soul could have pierced